Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 19 about the righteous or good side to Lot, who was living in the soon-to-be-judged city of Sodom and Gomorrah and was now being called to flee it. Now, this message is available at friendshipwithgod.org, all for free, as well as free on iTunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, also with your iPhone, iPad, Android, and smart device, you can go to friendshipwithgod.org, go to our website, and find information on how to add the Friendship with God podcast app to your smart device, all for free. Go to friendshipwithgod.org, and you can get all of these messages for free right on your iPhone, iPad, or smart device. Now, it's all made available free by your support, your donation and support to the Friendship with God radio program that keeps it on the radio and keeps our messages available for listeners for free. Now, to encourage you to support the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor, we're offering Tom Cantor's book, Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People. If you haven't gotten this yet, it's one of his bestsellers. It's got great questions in it that are basic, such as what is a Jew? What is a Gentile? Is the Lord Jesus Christ God? But they're in deep doctrinal detail and depth so that you can enjoy this book as a Bible study. It answers many of the doctrinally deep questions that Jewish people have that are intense, such as haven't Christians been responsible for persecuting the Jewish people? Does a Jewish person need to cease to be Jewish if they follow the Lord Jesus Christ? And who really killed the Lord Jesus Christ? And where was God during the Nazi disaster? These questions and many more, including what is God's purpose for the Jewish people? All of that's answered in deep detail. And this is a wonderful book, Frequently Asked Questions by Tom Cantor, one of his most popular books. It's your resource for a donation of $20 or more this month. Call us now at 800-247-3051 and get this wonderful resource, Frequently Asked Questions by Tom Cantor, 800-247-3051. Again, call us now or after the program. It's 800 247 3051, or go online to our resource section under Tom Cantor's materials, and you can order this book, Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People, for a donation of $20 or more. Now, here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 19 about the righteous or good side of Lot, who was living in the soon-to-be-judged city of Sodom and Gomorrah and was now being called to flee it. So, in stark contrast to the Jewish people is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is called the righteous Ebed servant. As a matter of fact, what we find in Isaiah 53 is the righteous ebbed servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, bearing the iniquities of the sinful people, the sinful nation, and uh, a people laid with iniquities, Israel. So what we find in Isaiah 53 is the righteous ebbed servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, going into the sole travail for the people laden with iniquities, the Jewish people, in order to satisfy the righteous demands of a holy God. That's what we find in Isaiah 53, the righteous servant, the righteous ebbed servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, doing his great work of justification. Not justifying everyone, but justifying many. That's why the word many is used there. Not justifying all the Jewish people, only those who come to him as repentful sinners, acknowledging that he is God. Not justifying all the Gentiles, but only the many who come to him as repentful sinners, acknowledging that he is God. So this is the word Ebed that Lot uses for himself in verse 2 when he says, turn into your servant's house. And then we see the angels refuse in verse 2. Nay, they don't take him up on his offer. They flat out right refuse. Nay, but we'll abide in the street all night. So the angels were in Sodom. They were on a mission that had been previously described in the chapter before. The Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah 
uh, sorry, chapter 18, verse 20 and 21, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see, this is what God said, whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me, and if not, I'll know. So their mission is to see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it. That's their mission. And what better way for the angels to see for themselves if the reported sinfulness of Sodom was as it had been reported than to spend the night in the street? Spend the night in the street and they'll see for themselves. That's their plan. That was their intention. That's what they were going to do. They were going to spend the night. They're on a mission. Nothing was going to detract them from their plan from spending the night. And then along came Lot, (laughs) except for Lot, you know. And what we see Lot doing in verse 3 is just remarkable. I mean, it says in verse 3, he pressed upon them greatly. The word pressed and greatly paints a picture for us of Lot. The Hebrew word for pressed is is patsar. And if you look just down a little bit further in verse 19, you see the word pressed. Again there, same word, patsar. And for verse 19, you could see that that pressing was so strong it was going to break the door down. (laughs) So that means that Lot pressed these two angels with such a ferocity of persuasion that Lot was acting as if he was going to break their door down. And then to add the word greatly in verse 3, meod, that really completes the picture for us because now it's Patsar oppressed and Meoda greatly, and it gives us the clear picture of what Lot was doing. What was he doing? He was strongly asking these two to stay in his house. He was strongly persuading these two to stay in his house. He was using all kinds of words to talk them into staying into his house. He was coming up with all kinds of arguments that he could, every argument he could think of to get them to stay in a house. He was bearing down on those two, it's a good thing they were angels, <laughs> to prevail on them to stay in his house. You know, he's making all kinds of gestures, like I do, you know, to stay in his house. He's taking them by the hand. He says, you're coming with me. He's grabbing them by the clothes. <laughs> you're coming with me. So that's what he was doing in verse 3 to get these two to stay in his house. So what could they do? You know, give in. If we don't, it's gonna, he's not going to stop. So it says in verse 3, they turned in unto him and entered into his house. Now, when Lot got them into, this, into his house, what did he do? Did, did he say, okay, you know, I'm happy now. There's the water. Here's your bed. Breakfast at 7. Have a good sleep. You know, he doesn't do that. He gets them into his house. And it's just the beginning. It's just starts, just like Abraham. He's springing into action. And Lot springs into action. So notice in verse 3 how it says what Lot did. He says, he made them a feast. They had a feast. You know, you go down to Alibaba restaurant, and you can order the feast for two or three or seven, and, you know, they come out with these big platters and everything, you know. And so that's just what he did. You know, he didn't go to the refrigerator to see what leftovers were there. <laughs> they didn't have refrigerators. But anyway, so, but he made a feast. And he just said to him, now you just sit right down here, and then he just begins to bring out platter upon platter of food. It was a feast. And there's a little detail in verse 3 that's very important for us to see. And that is, in verse 3, he did bake unleavened bread. Now, why does it say that Lot made unleavened bread? Was it because of Passover? You know, and he wanted to be respectful because of Passover and 
make unleavened bread? No, the, the Passover hadn't happened yet. <laughs> so it wasn't that reason. Or was it because these men were holy and leaven was a symbol of sin and he wanted to honor their holiness by serving them unleavened bread? No, it wasn't that reason either because God hadn't told them that leaven was a symbol for sin. All right? This is the first time in Scripture that unleavened bread is used. It's the first time. And the reason that Lot baked unleavened bread was the same reason why they had unleavened bread at the Passover. He didn't want to take the time to let the bread rise. <laughs> that's what it was. And that's the same reason they had the unleavened bread in Egypt, because they didn't have time. They were being chased for their lives, so they took it without letting it rise. So that's an important point for us that's called out for us about he made the unleavened bread because it shows that Lot is just in a hurry and he's just going to, this is going to, you know, he's making this feast and it's like, come on. And then in verse 3, they did eat. Now, the obvious question is, what's with Lot? Why was he so insistent that they come to his house? And why does it just look like this is a life and death matter for Lot to have these two in his house? And the reason is because Lot is a man who is starved for godly fellowship. He's just starved for godly fellowship. He's a godly man, it told us in Peter. He's a godly man. He is surrounded with ungodly people. His wife has turned his, her back on God. She didn't have any use for God. He has no fellowship with his wife. His unmarried daughters, they have no standards, as we'll see later. They had no use for God. His sons-in-law, the one, the mockers, They had no use for God. His married daughters were joined spiritually to their ungodly spouses. They had no use for God. We don't even know where his sons are. They're out of the picture some if he had sons. His friends and his neighbors and the whole city was wholly given over to sexual immorality. They had no use for God. And the only people that had a use for God, the only people who honored God, were in Abraham's house, and they were far away from Lot. And so Lot is all alone. He's so desperately alone when it comes to having anyone to have fellowship with who honored God. And that loneliness has just eaten Lot up. He's terribly alone. He feels it. And when it, came, when it came to loving God, Lot was like a scared minnow in a pool of aggressive sharks. <laughs> Days go by, no fellowship with anybody else who loves God. Weeks go by, months go by, years go by. And Lot's all alone. And he's surrounded by all these ungodly people, and he feels it. He talks about his conscience was vexed with them. And so here comes two into the city who love God. Here comes two into the city who honor God. And Lot says, oh, at last I can have fellowship with them. And he says to himself, this is, i got to get in my house. This is a matter of life and death. i got to be in my house, and I'm starved for this godly fellowship. So what we see here is why it says, in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more, so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's why coming to church is so important. That's why it's important to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together in church. Not just physically assembling ourselves together, but assembling it together in a Christian fellowship. That's why it's important that we talk to each other at church and, and as it says there, exhort one another, not just talking about what happened at work or what the Chargers did, but to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's fellowship. 
talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's important when the announcements are given for the pulpit that we learn about the different ones in the fellowship who have needs, that we enter into the feelings of their needs, that we pray for them, that we call them. That's why it's important for us. We call those that we don't see in church and say, we missed you. And, if, and we call someone and someone says to, to us, well, what business is it of yours? <laughs> our reply is, it is our business because it's God's business. And it says in Galatians 6 too, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And Galatians 6, 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And Philippians 2, 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So a Christian fellowship of believers at church, that's our family. This is our family here. It's our people. It's our people. And it, it, this is our family. This is our people. <laughs> my son Joe, Joseph is dating this Hispanic girl, and they always do this my people, your people thing, you know. <laughs> my people say, your people say. <laughs> anyway, this is our people. Right here. This is our people. And so we are, the, the, this is our family. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ meant when it says in, in Matthew 12, 47 through 50, Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto them that told him, Who's my mother? And who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother. And my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. So a Christian fellowship of believers at church is precious. And we only have to look at the fellowship-starved lot to see how precious it is and all the things that he did because he was desperate to, in order to have fellowship. Now, so that's a good thing about Lot. Now, another good thing we see about Lot, another good side of Lot, is in verse, verses 7 and 9, where he says, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. And then in verse 9, they said, stand back. And then they, they talked about Lot, and they said, this one fellow came into sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now, Lot lived in a city that was wholly given over to sexual immorality. Yet, Lot was not silent about that. And Lot did not take the position of, let's just live and let live. I've got my lifestyle. They have their alternative lifestyle. Lot knew that his friends and his relatives and his neighbors and his fellow citizens in Sodom were wholly given over to sexual immorality. And Lot knew what this meant for them. They were, there are some very important characterizations of the sin of homosexuality in Sodom and Gomorrah and what they are, were headed for in Jude chapter 1, verse 7, where this verse appears. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, on December 20th, 2013, last December 20th, Pierce Morgan from CNN, he interviewed Dr. Michael Brown on the issue of homosexuality. And Pierce Morgan took the position that the Lord Jesus Christ never condemned 
homosexuality. But he did condemn homosexuality when he spoke about the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. What were they judged for? Homosexuality. And Jude 1.7 describes Sodom and Gomorrah as giving them as a city that gave themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh. In other words, man with man is foreigner. It's not natural. It's strange. And the New Testament, not, as I always talk about the Old Testament in this regard, but then in the New Testament book of Romans, there are further descriptions of homosexuality in Romans 1, 26 to 27, where it says, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving themselves a recompense of their heir, which is meat. So these are further descriptions of homosexuality. Vile affections, changing the natural use into that which is against nature, leaving the natural use and burning in lust. And Jude describes the judgment of homosexuality with these words, the vengeance of eternal fire. So what did Lot do? Did Lot ignore that he knew that the homosexuality in Sodom were, were, were in the sights of God, so to speak, as, as, as headed for the vengeance of eternal fire? Did Lot say, well, they're gay. They're happy. They're gay. They're happy. And if they're happy, that's all that counts, right? And, and, and who am I to judge them? It's not my cup of tea, but if that's what makes them happy, eh, leave them alone. No, that was not Lot. Lot did not put out of his mind what is called in Jude 1.7, the vengeance of eternal fire. And so what we see Lot doing is, is, is in verse 7 is he's reasoning. He's trying to reason with them in verse 7 when he says, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. You know, he wasn't afraid to call homosexuality wickedness. And he tried to gently appeal to them to get them to stop the homosexual acts. And he didn't push them away when he appealed to them. But he calls them brethren. And Lot was trying to appeal to them as brethren. By calling them brethren, Lot was saying to them, but for the grace of God, there go I. By calling them brethren, Lot was saying essentially what we covered earlier in Galatians 6.1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. That was good of Lot. And this was not the first time that Lot had tried to convert the homosexuals in, in Sodom, as we can see from what they said about Lot in verse 9. This one fellow comes into sojourn, sojourn and he will needs be a judge. When they said he will needs be a judge, the Hebrew words, shpot, shafot, what it means is that in judging, he judges. In judging, he judges. In other words, they were saying, since this fellow came in to live in our city, all he's done is judge us, judge us, judge us. See, by saying in judging, he judges, shpot, shafot, they were saying that Lot has not stopped to try and get the Sodomites to stop incurring for themselves the vengeance of eternal fire. That's good about Lot. And that shows Lot was a consistent persuader. We saw how persuaded he could be. And he tried to win souls from sin to salvation. He was always trying to get sinners to repent. And from their comments, Lot was consistent and persistent in his care and his appeal to them. It's a good thing with Lot. It's a good side of Lot. And it also shows 
he personally resisted the immorality of the sin that was all around him. He cared for the people around him. And he was unashamed. He was persistent. He preached righteousness to the people around him. And then in verse 14, we see something else that's good about Lot, where it says that when they told him, you know, do you have anybody here? And, he goes, and then they said, we're going to destroy the place. And, he, and then they said to him, you know, bring them out. And verse 14 says, Lot went out and he spoke. See, we see in verse 12, the angels asked Lot, they said, you know, what do you got? You got sons-in-law. I mean, they, 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 these were angels, so they knew what he had. You know, sons-in-law, sons, and so forth. And so, and, and they gave very explicit directions. Bring them out of this place. So we see in verse 13 how they told Lot that they're going to destroy the city. He said, we will destroy this place. And that they had been sent on a mission, verse 13. The Lord has sent us to destroy it. And we see in verse 14, is all important, what Lot did. He did. He, 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 right away, he went out. And he said to... He said to his sons-in-law and married his daughter. So he, he didn't argue with the angels. He didn't hesitate. He, was fully, he fully believed the angels, and he acted right away. That's a good example for us. We know that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, the wrath of God is already hovering over every man. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. He that, in John 3.36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth, or hovers, on him. In Romans 5.18, therefore, as by one offense, uh, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all to condemnation. Now we know, also, Romans 8.1, that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So God's called us, like a lot, Go out to friends, relatives, everyone. Verse 12, it's like he could, God could say that to us. Bring them out. But the challenge for us is, are we going to follow Lot? In verse 14, and Lot went out and spake. He did what he could. He, uh, he probably had sons, girls, they wouldn't have talked about them. But they're not in the picture, so maybe the, the sons were just fed up with Lot and left home, and they could, one, didn't want to hear Lot judge anymore. And, and, and Lot's message was clear, very clear. Up, verse 14, up. Get you out of this place. The Lord will destroy the city. Wasn't easy for Lot. Wasn't easy at all to persuade them. He seemed as one that mocked in verse 14. You know, they mocked his message. Oh, look, everyone, we're going to be destroyed. You better run for shelter. Everybody got their helmet? It's going to come down. Protect yourselves. Well, so am I going to be destroyed before lunch or after lunch? Is there time for lunch? Oh, look, we're not destroyed yet, Lot. Let's see if it's a, you going to set a date, Lot? You going to set a date? Let's see. See, they mocked him. They mocked Lot. Oh, maybe Lot got hit on the head when he was trying to keep that door shut. Anybody see any bumps on Lot's head? Oh, let, let, let's, set a, let, let, let's get a good seat, Lot, so we can watch the judgment. We can watch you. Run, Lot, run. Now, he didn't let that pressure of being mocked stop him. And the good thing we find about Lot is he left the city. Well, a little bit of hand-holding, but nevertheless, he left the city. That was a good thing. He left the city. It reminds us, Lot left Ur of the Chaldees with Abraham when God had talked to Abraham. Lot left Haran with Abraham after, God, after Abraham's father died. Those are all good parts about Lot. So for the balance, that's the angle that we wanted to see today, the good side of Lot. In our next study, we'll look at the other side of Lot, the not-so-good side, and we'll then put them all together and answer the question, what happened to Lot? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much 
for taking all the time that you did to put all this together for us and help us, Lord, to learn the lessons you'd have for us so that we can be pleasing and walk before you and be perfect in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. And next time you're on Facebook, search for Tom Cantor or the Friendship with God radio program or Israel Restoration Ministries. You'll find all three of them on Facebook. And you can connect with Tom Cantor and get his daily devotional verse that's available through Facebook. You can also find his daily devotional verse at our homepage, friendshipwithgod.org. Just click on sign up and you can sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse and the Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries newsletter. So go to friendshipwithgod.org. And also, if you have a lost Jewish friend that you want to reach with the gospel, Tom Cantor's got a free gift at friendshipwithgod.org. Just click on the sign-up button also and have a free gift sent to a lost Jewish friend from Tom Cantor. It'll come directly to them, or we can send it to you to be able to give to them in person. So again, a free gift to a lost Jewish person from Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor. Just go to friendshipwithgod.org and click on the sign-up button to send that gift or sign up for the daily devotional verse or newsletter. It's all made possible by your gifts of donation and support to the Friendship with God radio program that keeps us playing on this station in this city and makes available all of the messages on MP3 for free. Now, your monthly support or one-time donation helps to continue the Friendship with God radio program. To donate, go online to friendshipwithgod.org, click on Donate, and support the Friendship with God radio program. Again, friendshipwithgod.org, donate online. Or you can call us now at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051 or friendshipwithgod.org or 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor.